Well, at this time, the kids can be dismissed, and uh, the rest of us, let's open our Bibles up this morning, and as we open up our Bibles, I have been keeping an eye on the clock this morning and thinking, am I going to be able to get a 35 or 40 minute sermon done in about 15 or 20 minutes? Yes, done. Okay. Okay, Don said, ask our veterans to stand. We have a number of veterans in our congregation. Sure, those of you who are veterans, if you'd please stand. That's right, yep. We certainly appreciate all their work. Yep, very appropriate. Yeah, yep. Yeah. That's right. Yep. We Yeah. We certainly appreciate that. And appreciate Shane leading us in prayer earlier today and the video reminding us that we that we see you and that we appreciate that. So, 35 40 minute sermon in 15 minutes. I've determined that is unachievable goal today. All right. So, we're going to open our Bibles to the book of Psalm 92. And Psalm 92, small group leaders, I will get you new notes so that you are prepared. Uh, for your lessons this week. But in Psalm 92, as we, this is a passage actually this past week um, was in my own Bible reading. It's a passage that really stood out to me and I just spent some personal time meditating on. And so I want to spend a little time looking at this together. And um, as we think about this Veterans Day and, and uh, coming up, as we think about celebrating the Lord's Supper, so I'm going to read this and then we're just going to spend a little time talking about this in the context of our lives today, about the church life, where God has us as a church, some of the things about where we are going and some of the things that we hope to see God do. And so begin Psalm 92 begins by saying this, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprouts like grass, and evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard of their doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age, and they are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Powerful psalm that tells us that it begins by saying it is good to give thanks to the Lord. And I trust that's where your heart is today. As we look around us, as we consider the blessings that our God gives to us day after day after day after day, 
moment after moment, it is good and right for us to bless the Lord, to give thanks to him, and to give thanks to him that kids can go to children's church. So Matthew, if you get that off the screen, because that's distracting me. I'm not sure if it's anybody else, but they're cute kids, all right? And just blank, it'd be great. So as we think about giving thanks to God, that we have tons of reasons for that. And yet, as we walk into church on Sunday mornings, it's easy to forget that. I think it's easy to forget it on Monday mornings. Monday mornings we get up and we grumble, oh, another week, it's Monday. And we keep our eye on the weekend, hoping for the weekend. And when the weekend comes, it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily get any better because then we just don't want the weekend to end because Monday's coming. And we have this perpetual cycle of kind of discouragement and life's hard. Would we agree with that? Is life hard? I mean, are there things that are, it would be reasonable for us to grumble and complain about? I mean, I mean, recognize, yeah, I mean, we live in a fallen, broken world that relationships aren't what they're supposed to be, that workplaces aren't what they're supposed to be, families aren't what they're supposed to be, and yet, in the midst of all of that, we have a God who loves us, a God who has continually loved us and demonstrated that by giving His Son, Jesus Christ, on a cross to forgive us of our sins, and that truth should be reshaping everything that we're about. And yet I'm burdened that so often what shapes our lives are our circumstances rather than the truths that we know, truths that we confess, truths, frankly, that we would die for. And yet so often we don't do what this passage says, that we often don't give thanks to the Lord, that we sing praises to his name, O Most High. I mean, one of the things I love about church is we sing together. Now, if you stand close to me, you're, you're, the, you're probably thinking, well, you're the only one that must love the singing because I sing terribly, right? But I love it. Why? Because we're singing about our Savior. We're singing about our Lord. We are singing about this God who has done incredible things in our lives. And the singing is to be able to sing truths of God, to be able to sing truths of redemption that He is for us, the things that He is doing for us. It is good to sing praises to His name. Verse 2, to declare the steadfast, His steadfast love in the morning and His faithfulness by night. Listen, we wake up every day to the steadfast love of God. You realize that? You wake up, your eyes open, and you may... Man, I don't want to get out of bed. But the fact your eyes are open and you are breathing is a gift from God. And listen, even if you didn't wake up, if you're a believer, it's a gift from God. You're with Him. Now and forever, you're with Him forever. And we realize that in the morning, we wake up to the steadfast love of God. When we wake up in the morning, we're not waking up to another grind of a day. We're waking up to the steadfast love of our Lord. And we wake up to that, and he says that we declare his steadfast love in the morning. We declare his faithfulness at night. And so we wake up, and God, I thank you that you love me today, and I'm going to let your love shape me. And when I'm laying my head on the pillow at night, I say, God, thank you for your faithfulness to me. You have preserved me for another day. You have sustained me. You have been good to me. The psalmist continues, he says, the music of the flute and the lyre to the melody of the lyre, all these instruments, all these things, let's get all kinds of instruments and praise the Lord with all of these. Why? Verse 4, for you, O Lord, have made me glad. You have made me glad by your work, the works of your hands I sing for joy. 
that we begin just recounting the many, many, many ways God's good to us. He opens our eyes. He gives us heat. He gives us vehicles to get us back and forth from work. He's given us people, relationships. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Son. He's given us eternal life. He's given us a new paved road in front of our church. He's given us new uh, seal and new lines on our parking lot. God does so many things for us. And then in verse 5, He says, How great are Your works, O Lord. We think about the good works of our Lord. I think, listen, God has been so good to us as a church. Now, we are a healthy church. We are a healthy church. We are a church where the relationships are strong, that we don't have a bunch of conflict within our church. There's not a bunch of animosity. There's not gossip. That we are a church that's healthy. We're certainly not perfect. We have our flaws, but God is doing good things. I mean, right now, we have a starting point class, an intro to east side class. And there are, what, nine, ten, how many people are in the class? A bunch. Not, about nine or a dozen people, right? From people, newlyweds, to people that have, um, in their, with gray hair. And probably some people with no hair. But this whole range of that, and we realize that's exciting to recognize God is bringing people to us to grow and to change who are saying, listen, I want to see what this church is about. I want to learn more about this. I'm encouraged with what's going on, and I want to invest in the ministry and the work that's going on here. That's encouraging. Two weeks ago on a Tuesday night, I'm meeting with a a man who has been struggling with some challenges, and two weeks ago on a Tuesday night, he prayed and received Jesus as his Savior. No, we rejoice in those kinds of promises, that we recognize that God is at work in us. As we watch, and I listen to many of you talk about how, how God is, is, is working and things are hard, and we realize we live in a broken world, and so we shouldn't be surprised that things are hard. But life is hard, God's faithful. And to hear that and to watch that resonate within the body of Christ is a, is a joy to be able to see. To think over these past couple years, the things we've been able to do as a church. You know, I think about just on, from a facility standpoint, all this painting that was going on in the connection point and up and down stairs and hallways, those type of things. As we think about um, the pioneer clubs and this beginning of this year we had this incredible kickoff of well over a hundred people here um, e- eating hot dogs and hamburgers and families here that we have opportunities to serve them week in and week out we have people who are here on wednesday nights dealing with people and our kids in our community whose lives are a mess and they're hurting and I rejoice, I'm thankful for the people who are here on Wednesday nights loving on our teens and kids in our community. That we are working right now, that we are developing and working to equip a group of people who are going to be equipped to do biblical counseling so that as we seek to engage these kids and help our community, that we're able to speak truth to them, to be able to speak truth to them very wisely with love and to see them come to know Christ as their Savior, and to see God begin to transform their families. Because we watch that. We know that God is able to transform lives. He's able to transform kids' hearts, moms' hearts, dads' hearts. God is able to do all these things. And so we read a passage like this, and it says in verse 5, How great are your works, O Lord, and your thoughts are very deep. And listen to what he says in verse 6. It's interesting. The stupid cannot know it, and the fool cannot understand. 
There are things that people that apart from God's work, they, they don't get. Now, when it says, calls them, it says, calls them stupid, it's interesting. I, when our, I don't think this, when our kids were growing up, we used the um, New American Standard. I don't think it used the word stupid because our kids, when they're kids, they'd say, hey, dad. Then they'd tell them one of their kids, they use the S word. I'm like, uh-oh, what was the S word? And this is the steward, dad. <laughs> oh, stupid. They weren't supposed to say that to each other. But I'm glad they didn't point at the Bible. So, well, dad, it says it in the Bible. Anyway. The stew word shows up in the Bible, okay? So, but, but when it says stupid, it's not that they're, it's not that they're like empty-headed. They don't know and they lack education. That's not the point. When it talks about the stupid man or the fool, he's talking about those who are spiritually blind and don't know. They just, they don't know that they're spiritually blind. Their hearts are hard. And because of that, what is true? They can't know these things. They just don't get it. As we listen to our world talk about the church, of people being like the church is about haters and, and they, religious liberty is just a mask for, uh, for discrimination and things like that and realizing they just don't get it. Our world just does not understand. And listen, apart from the grace of God, we don't understand either. Apart from the grace of God, we are blind, that we are stupid, that we are fools. We can hear this word of God and we can hear it and it kind of resonates, but it's like, I don't, this doesn't make any sense to me. But God rescues us. He opens our eyes and all of a sudden this book becomes, becomes the living word. It becomes precious to us. We love this word because it reveals our father to us. It reveals his love to us. It reveals his grace to us. And so as he opens our eyes, we love this. He goes on in verse 7, it says, what happens? It says, though the wicked sprout like grass and evildoers flourish. We look at our world and we see those who don't know Christ seem to prosper. Sun's coming up, sun seems to always shine for them. That they don't know God, but things are going good for them. They got a good job. Their marriages aren't quite the wreck that sometimes ours are in the church. And as we look at these things, and they, it looks like they're sprouting, they're flourishing, they look like they're doing so well, the passage goes on. They're blind to the fact that they are doomed to destruction forever. They're doomed to destruction forever. And as we hear that, that should, that should remind us that that's why they're blind. They just don't get that. We hear that they're doomed for destruction. We know what our Romans passage teaches us in Romans 12. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord, that justice will be done on this earth. Justice will be done. But listen, as we consider that, we, we also aren't cheerleaders for God's wrath. God, go get them. Pour your wrath out. That we are begging people to repent and to turn from their sins. To be born again because, because God's wrath is going to come on unbelievers. And for them to repent and believe and the responsibility that we have to make the gospel known to them. It goes on and says, verse 9, For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish, and evildoers will be scattered. They're going to be scattered, and yet this contrast of God's people, look what he says in verse 10, But you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox, and have poured over me fresh oil. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Got a wild ox and oil being poured over me and a horn. 
I don't have a horn. I don't think I have a horn. If I do have a horn, I'm not the devil or something. What's this horn all about? It's this idea of my position. That God has raised me in a position like that of a wild ox. And a wild ox is a strong animal. It's strong. And God's saying, listen, the strong ox, as strong as it is, God says, I've given you more power than that. I've given you strength. I've given you strength because I've given you my Holy Spirit. I've given you the Word of God. Jesus is united to us that we have the power to do everything that God calls us to do. He loves us. He goes on then in verse 11. It says, My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard their doom of my evil assailants. So he's saying here, listen, there are things that are certain here. What's certain? God's blessings. He has blessed us incredibly. What's true? The blindness of the unsaved. They don't get it. What's true? That one day God's going to make everything right. That's true. And in that we rejoice. Because we have been identified with Jesus. He has opened our blind eyes to understand His grace, His truth, His mercy. We surrender our lives to Him and He connects Himself to us. And then in verse 12, He talks about us, believers. He says, the righteous. The right, now, the righteous are those who have been forgiven of their sins and credited with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Our, a, our report card illustration that we use all the time, my F report card that I've earned because of my sin is taken away by Jesus. He gives me His righteousness and that we could illustrate that as an A-plus report card. And because I have this A-plus report card, I'm acceptable to the Father now because of what Jesus has done. And what does He say about us, the righteous? He says we flourish like the palm tree and grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Right, that we flourish, that God calls us as believers, we ought to be flourishing. And we flourish, he says, they are planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts of our God. Beautiful picture of what God wants of us. He wants us to flourish. How do we flourish? We wake up in the morning to the steadfast love of God. I wake up and know I'm loved by God. He is going to walk with me every step today. Whatever I face, whatever comes my way, His love and His grace is with me. And as I lay my head down at night, I reflect not on all the problems and all the things that went on today. I reflect on His faithfulness. He has loved me another day. And it says then in verse 14, they still bear fruit in old age. I love that. Okay, I mean, I've, many of you know I turned 50 this year, so I'm prob- I don't know where the top of the hill is, we're over the hill, but if I'm not past it, I'm on top of it. Okay? And what's it say, though? What does he say? They still bear fruit in old age. And listen, I want to say to everybody who's older than me, what does God want for you? To continue to bear fruit. To bear fruit in whatever that looks like. And it may not look like bearing fruit in the same way in previous eras and, episodes, and periods of your life because of limitations of health and things. But God wants your life to flourish. To be an encouragement to others. To have your eyes open to think, who could I be an encouragement to? Who could I love? Who can I show that, that God cares about them? How can I be engaged in that type of ministry? Because frankly, when I hear about this, that the... 
old, in their old age, they bear fruit that I'm, I'm convinced, that I look in our culture, that when, when people get to a certain age of life, it's easy to be discouraged and think that nobody cares anymore. I want to encourage you, if you're thinking that, I want to encourage you to think about, you know what, if I feel that way, I bet there are others that do as well. And I would encourage you, open your eyes as you leave this morning and look around and think, who can I bear fruit, whose life can I bear fruit in this week? Not be thinking about who's going to help me, but who can I serve, who can I show love to? So he says that they're planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts, they still bear fruit in old age, they, they are ever full of sap and green. What does that mean? That means you are continually being given life by our Savior. He loves you. He loves us. He wants us to flourish. And it says in verse 15 then, to declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Listen, our God is a faithful God. I would encourage you, maybe on the back of your notes somewhere, um, or somewhere in your bulletin, to be thinking about, make, start making a list of what are some things that, that you have reason to give praise to God for. What are some things, I mean, to be able to be, start creating a list of reasons of why it is good to give thanks to our God. Because see, often what goes on in our minds, we've got this checklist of all the things that aren't right. Well, this isn't right, that's not right, this isn't right, this needs addressed, I need to work on that, but, you know, that goes on in our heads. How often is our head, our head thinking, man, look what God's doing. I mean, it's a crisp fall day. The beauty of the leaves. Yeah, I've got to rake them or mow them or whatever, and that drives me crazy. But God changes this stuff. He's a God who's at work in creation. Look at the relationships that I have. I don't have to be freezing cold tonight because there's a furnace in my house. I, there are people who know me, people that I know, that I can look at these very physical kinds of blessing God gives to us and give thanks to him. We also give thanks to him for the people he puts in our lives. Give thanks to him for the church that he's given to us. And God has given us, I mean, I, I have lots of pastor friends and, and I listen to him talk and I'm so thankful. I mean, God's doing a lot of good work in a lot of places. But God's doing a lot of really good work right here. And I want to encourage you with that, to know that God calls us to faithfulness. And we'll be talking about that over these next few weeks, about faithfulness, faithfulness. God wants us to be faithful to him. Listen, as we think about like winning gold medals and all of those things, that's, that's a pursuit that, that we may have in this world, but realizing God wants us to pursue faithfulness to him. And faithfulness oftentimes looks very, looks very ordinary. It looks like going to small group on a Tuesday night. It looks like showing up to teach Sunday school on a Sunday morning. It looks like showing up to help with a teen group on Wednesday night. It means showing up on a work day and painting a wall and realizing, well, what difference does this make? It makes a difference because you're being faithful. You're giving of yourself to the Lord for His work. Next week, we're going to share the new 2020 budget. You need to be here for that because it's going to raise a lot of questions. It's going to raise a lot of questions because we're asking, the Lord to be, we're asking the Lord to do some exciting things for us in 2020. But it's going to require your faithfulness. And to recognize that's all he calls us to be, is to be faithful. 
So as we talk about that next Sunday, we're going to be able to think, okay, God, you've laid this out for us. We want to be a church that's healthy. You've made us church, a healthy church, and we want to have a growing impact in the lives of our church family, but also in the lives of our community. And God, we want to do that. One of the things that requires is a budget, and it requires resources. But God calls us to be faithful in that realm as well. As we think about this passage again, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and then the last, the righteous flourish like a palm tree. That's God's desire for you. He wants you to flourish. A verse you've heard me use over and over again is in Proverbs 4.18. Turn there with me. Proverbs 4.18. This idea of flourishing ties with what this passage says Proverbs 4.18 is contrasted with uh, the 19 that talks about a different way. This is on page 530 in the Pew Bible. If this isn't already underlined in your Bible, I'd encourage you to underline it, highlight it. It says this, But the path of the righteous, okay, those who God wants to flourish, back in Psalm 92, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It's like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. What that is saying is, listen, that that right now things may look dark for you. Things may look a little dark and maybe some challenges you're facing, some struggles that you're doing. It's kind of dark right now. But God promises us if I am faithful, if I'm on this path of righteousness, it's going to take me to a brighter day. A brighter day of flourishing, flourishing with things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, flourishing with the fruit of spirit, flourishing with delight, with gratitude for who God is. The promise is we walk his path, that's what we get. Brighter days. And that's what I want for us as a church family. That's what I want for you as individuals, your days to get in brighter as you follow and give thanks to our God. That's our hope. That's a promise he's given to us. He has shared, as we've shared the Lord's Supper, he has given himself for us. If he's given Jesus for us, he's not going to hold other things back from us. Other things that we truly need and will allow us to flourish. So I want to encourage you this morning to give thanks to our God. That you would seek flourishing as you follow his path. Well, as we conclude this morning, we're going to receive our helping hand offering And our helping hand offering is an offering that we take to help those in our community. It's something separate from our general fund, uh, but this is a fund that uh, Rodney Tarter and his wife Melody oversee. They do a great job of seeking to help those within our church and our community with financial needs. And so I encourage you to be generous. We receive this once a month as we receive the Lord's Supper. It's an opportunity for us to demonstrate our faithfulness. Well, let's look to our Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, in many ways, we just stop there. We thank you. You've been good to us. You've shown your kindness. You've shown us your love. You've promised us that you want us to flourish. And Lord, even as we walk through dark days and hard struggles, that we have confidence that you are with us and that you are using all the challenges, all the struggles in our lives to conform us to the image of Jesus so that we would flourish as your children. God, help us. 
Help us to walk this path of the righteous, that our days will be brighter and brighter as we trust you. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the flourishing that you are creating here at Eastside Baptist Church. Thank you for the flourishing that you are producing in the lives of your servants. And God, help us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.